or welcome and welcome you guys online I just slide through I know who's there and as always you can uh, make comments and ask questions on the chat and Daniel will pass them on to me Tonight I want to start with a quote uh, from a meditation teacher, Jack Cornfield. Maybe quite a lot of you know Jack Cornfield, one of the major meditation teachers in the West, teaching insight meditation. And he wrote a few books, and this is from his latest book, where in the beginning he says, Dear friends, after more than 40 years teaching mindfulness and compassion to thousands on the spiritual path, the most important message I can offer is this. <laughs> so what is it? This? Uh, yeah. You don't have to wait to be free. You don't need to postpone being happy. So this is quite an amazing statement uh, from this experienced teacher. Particularly, he comes from a tradition which is uh, a progressive tradition, a progressive path, a path of methods, a path of doing something to get somewhere. And I guess it's, 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 it's his age, I, I guess he is above 70 now, doing all these meditation practices his whole life, and now turning, at least in this book, to what you could call the direct path. From the progressive path, being someone on a path, doing methods, yoga, meditation, to get somewhere in the future where you will be fulfilled, where you will be whole, where the seeking ends. And it didn't work out, apparently, <laughs> because it can't work out. Obviously, there's benefits uh, in the progressive path. And quite often, I teach from the paradigm of the progressive path. But at one point, in our, on our journey, we need to realize, or we will realize, because the methods will not bring us home. No method 
will bring us home. Nothing can bring us home to a home which we never left. So at one point, there's a shift from experiencing that what you have been seeking through progressive path methods has been always available in the present moment, in present moment awareness. And that is this shift will be no different from the screwed up life you're living right now and the screwed up life you will live in 20 years. This is, of course, very radical yeah, to even start to hope that there is some truth in this message. But probably most of us sense on and off or have experiences of that kind of fundamental well-being which is always there in the background of our experience. So teaching the progressive path and practicing the progressive path, that's quite easy. Yeah? You hear teachings, you learn time-tested methods, and you do them. And most of the time, or quite often, you have benefits from doing that. You feel better. But feeling better is highly overrated. And it will change. So here this direct path is pointing to a way of relating to life, to experience life as it is in a very different way. So the progressive path, I, I really like to teach the progressive path because then I have a feeling people understand what I'm talking about. And also I think I understand what I'm talking about. So it's, <laughs> it's really good. I mean, it, it feels so good to know ah, this is what happens when you do breathing meditation and this is what you do when it doesn't work and these are the benefits and people experience the benefits. So it's, and you can make money from it <laughs> because it never ends. Yeah? So it's like it's the best way to keep, keep, to keep people coming is to teach a progressive path because there's always more to learn and always more to, I mean, it's a self, never ending self improvement project. Becoming more compassionate, becoming more wise, becoming more relaxed, becoming more content. So for business, the direct path is very bad. 
for the psychotherapeutical business, for the yoga business, for the meditation business, for the mindfulness business. The big challenge with the direct path is how, how the heck do you share something you can't talk about? How the heck do you point to something which is not an object? How do you point to something which we can't be aware of or which we can't be mindful of? And I'm struggling with this since many, many years. How do I share this? And how do I stand people not getting it? <laughs> so far my solution was, was I put a lot of progressive past stuff into this. So the direct path, which is not a path, because there's nobody there who could do something to attain anything. So it's not really a path. It's more maybe a pointing. It's a sharing. It's a sharing of something you, we can't talk about. It's, it's a sharing of something which is not an object of knowledge. It's, it's a sharing of something which is so close to you, so simple that we miss it. And every word, every movement, every practice is already too much, is already too complicated. And still, in all spiritual traditions, the mystic, part, the mystic part of spiritual traditions, since thousands of years, they share this, try to share this, write books about it, poems, music. So, before the meditation, just one step further in one of the attempts to point to to point to this. Your spacious mind is the natural awareness that knows and accommodates everything. So this is a pointer. And it would be enough. Your spacious mind is the natural awareness that knows and accommodates everything. 
my meditation teacher in the forests of Thailand, Ajahn Chah, called it the one who knows, in capital letters, the one who knows. So the direct path points to the one who knows. Which is not the narrative self, because the narrative self can be known. It's an object. The sense of I can be known. By what? Your habits, the sense of being in the body, your memories, your name, your roles, all of that can be known. All, are, all of that are objects. And the one who knows can't be known. He said, this is the original nature of mind, the silent witness. So the silent witness. The silent witness is another pointer. The ever-present witness. And the ever-present witness is present right now because you hear these words. His instructions were simple. Become witness to it all. So it is not a becoming, Jack Cornfield. Too much progressive path thinking here already. <laughs> yeah? It's so hard for these guys. I mean, imagine 40 years of doing And then letting go of doing, that must be a hard thing. I mean, invested your whole life into doing, into progressing, into meditating. So become witness to all. It is not a becoming. It is a resting as the witness. Because you are already the witness. That's your true self. Nothing needs to become there. And nothing can't be realized there. It's not that we need to find the witness. If you try to find the witness, you're already departing. You're already on a journey. You have maybe a sense to kind of work, walk in circles. So, I mean, we all have heard this before. And some of you have an experience of what is being shared in these words. 
meetings like this are opportunities for us, invitation for us to familiarize ourselves deeper. with something we already are, with something which for most of us breaks into our life. I guess we all had experience of fundamental well-being, of this strange experience Somehow everything is fine as it is. Moments of no more seeking. Moments where the narrative self drops away and you touch and you are the infinite boundaryless presence, the infinite boundaryless presence to which this moment, moment moves, timeless, transpersonal. So let's sit quietly. I will guide you a little. Starting with some progressive path instructions like adjusting your posture, maybe closing your eyes, and allowing awareness uh, to slide into your body. If you like, you can lightly Put your attention on the breath, the flow of the in and out breath. Thoughts become less important. slide into present moment awareness, appreciating the spacious aliveness of this moment. And then you rest.
And sometimes you notice that you try to get something or you try to get rid of something. And with the out-breath, it might be possible to relax the grasping. And then only if you get entangled into the narrative of the self, entangled in the inner dialogue, you slide back, you drop back into the trunk of your body. And then you rest, doing nothing. No matter what arises, pleasant or unpleasant energies in your body, sounds, thoughts, you just rest in present moment awareness, as present moment awareness. Softening the belly and the shoulders. And returning. making the backward step and nothing is excluded Then, even if there's contractions, even if there's tiredness or restlessness, maybe there can be a sense of the silence also, the stillness, the primordial stillness surrounding and pervading what you experience. Sink in, sink into the stillness which is already here. 
the presence which is already here. The peace which is already here. Presence, that stillness, that peace, that silence is vast. Cars can drive through it. My voice travels through it. Your thoughts travel through it. The sensations in your body, the breath. Rest as the witness. There's nothing to do for you. There's nothing you need to understand. There's no technique you need to apply. Resting as the sky. And be aware of what you are not. what you are not. And rest as the witness.
running and resting. Now returning when you notice that you get identified, entangled, stuck, then you make a backward step. And then you rest, non-manipulating, non-interfering, non-controlling, non-fixing. Rest as that which is bigger. Deeper, vaster. Than everything you're aware of. Than everything you think you are. Every thought, every feeling, every sensation is 
a wave in the shoreless ocean of consciousness, arising and disappearing back. Arising within the witness, being in the nature of the witness and dissolving back. Rest as the wholeness. That which doesn't need anything. Turning, resting, in present moment awareness, as present moment awareness, appreciating the spacious aliveness. Including tension.
one last quote from Jack Cornfield. Rest in spacious awareness. Since there's nobody who could rest in spacious awareness, it's a bit of a debatable statement. And also, it seems to be something one could do. Yeah, so, like the, the, the activity of resting. But it is like that. Any kind of description. And these are descriptions of something which is already happening. Um, fall short, you know, you can't really, fall short, you can't really communicate. I would rather say, rest as spacious awareness you already are. Or recognize that resting as spacious awareness is already happening. But then, then again, it is a recognizing. So again, we have someone who could recognize something. And feel the presence of love. This is also a bit difficult to say it like that. You feel the presence of love. Who is feeling the presence of love? And the presence of love, the word love, has so many connotations. For us, when we, when we talk about love, we, we, we talk about an experience, we talk about a feeling. We are not talking about an experience here. We are not talking about a feeling. Experiences and feelings, they come and go. The one who knows becomes the loving witness of all things. No, the one who knows is already the loving witness of all things. It is what is happening right now. And love here, not you know, love as that mystery, not as something, ah, love, yeah, I know what is being said here. But there is a, in the experience of being the witness, being the one who knows, there is a goodness. No, no one came out of a mystic experience saying, don't go there, it's horrible, it's really bad. 
Because at the core of this universe is some badness, some evil. So this, I like the word love, but when I use the word love in, in the context here, not when I use love in the sense of Buddhist psychology, but in the context of the direct path, when I say love, I'm aware that I'm not talking about something I have understood or something I know. Also, maybe that word love, feel the presence of love, maybe that helps us to trust, to trust the letting go, to trust not trying to figure it out. To trust that this universe is a, is a safe place. And this trust is necessary. Because the narrative self, who sometimes pretends it wants to have this, to be a better narrative self, to be an awakened narrative self or a compassion, compassionate narrative self. To relax that, in order to be able to relax that, there needs to be some trust. That's also one of the reasons I um, use quotes here because you know Jack Cornfield, the great guy, you know, is another league than Stefan Pender. Uh, so it, it is just like something I, I use to kind of trigger some curiosity, some trust in the ones who are listening. Ah, yeah, Jack Cornfield. So maybe it's not completely stupid. So there is maybe a bit of willingness to, uh, to relax into these words, yeah, to trust, to give, to give the narrative self a break. Now the, the, the narrative self which constantly tries to defend and protect you and tries to figure things out and tries to fix things To kind, and that's what we trust. And to give up, to give up that is so difficult for us. It's easier for some cultures where there is uh, this faith into the teacher, into the tradition. And us is this thing that uh, I'm on my own, I need to figure this out, I have to rely on myself, I need to be critical, I need to be skeptical. The freedom of loving awareness is available. 
So we hear these sentences again and again, or in the tantric teachings particularly. And it's a huge difference of being able to repeat these words and feel some relief in them. It's like the narrative self listens to that and yeah, the loving awareness is always present. All oh, this is so wonderful. Probably I start to understand it now. So maybe I'm a spiritual person. Yeah. And it's a completely different thing to actually experience this moment as, an, as a display of love. To experience this moment as the display of spirit of God. To experience this moment as the Dhammakaya emerging from the Dhammakaya, dissolving back into the Dhammakaya. To experience this moment as unity, emerging from unity, dissolving into unity. Never losing the nature of unity, being unity itself. When you feel lost, stuck in a tiny part of the big picture. So when we feel lost, when we feel stuck, that's what people often say, oh, I feel stuck. In a tiny in a tiny part of the big picture, and that's exactly what we do. That's exactly, I mean, you know, the, the crisis you are in right now, the never-ending crisis. It's, it's quite funny in a way that we, that we think we just need to be skillful so that we can get out of crisis. It's just one damn crisis after another. It's not getting better. And any kind of uh, provisional methods which make you feel better, it's good to use them, of course. They're not going to work. They will never bring you home. They will make you feel better for a while, and that's why it's good to use them. And that's, wow, this is quite a shift. You know, from seeking, hoping there is something in the future which you don't have yet, and if you have it, then you will be home, then you will be whole, then you will be in peace, then you, then you will be healed. To drop that, to give up the hope that there is a better future, a better future than this. So, 
That's what we do. We get stuck in a tiny part of the big picture. For example, I'm not good enough. Or there is this iron ball in my solar plexus called anxiety. And we get stuck in it. Into the into a tiny part of the of the of oneness. And it becomes incredibly important because we call it me, we call it I. We identify with it. And we blew it up, blow it up in, out of the really narcissistic self-importance. And then we try to fix it. And a lot of the fixing actually makes it worse. <laughs> because often when we try to fix something within us, we solidify it, we objectify it, we reify it. We, we tell the story of, I'm this not good enough person, this wounded person. And that's, that's not a problem yet. The problem is that we, that we identify with that and we don't look at it, we look from it. Yeah? So we don't look at, oh, then there it is, the narrative self, I'm not good enough self. Yeah, and it has to do with my psychological history and so on and so on. We don't look at it, we look from it. It's like we're putting on the glasses of I'm not good enough and look into a world which reflects to us that we are a failure and that we didn't make it and that I'm not good enough. it's so obvious. You are aware of it. And what is that which is aware of that? Of not being good enough. It's an object. It's not the subject. So what is the subject? It is beyond words, but here it is called the one who knows. That's the subject. And you are already that. So when that happens, again, here a bit of progressive path. Yeah? So it's always a bit of a mixture. So when that happens, that you get caught up from, from a direct path, point of view, it's not a problem at all. Yeah? But that's not how it is experienced. So there seems to be we need there seems to be an apparent need to do something. So what can you do? Take a breath and visualize yourself stepping back. So that's what is called the backward step. I'm not this feeling, I am aware of it. It's the step out of the 
stream of consciousness, the relative, the conditioned level of consciousness, to step out. This is also very, a very radical step for us to trust in the healing capacity of loving awareness. I mean, imagine you go to a, a psychologist with anxiety and he says, just step back and love it. And next time you go back, yeah, but you know, isn't there more? I mean, do I, isn't there more technique I can use? And then he says again, step back and trust loving awareness. With a spacious mind, you can witness even these contracted states and hold them in loving awareness. Witness contracted states and hold them in loving awareness. 